Wall podcast presented by Whistle Sports. It is Saturday, and Alfred Payton is back in New York. Joining me to grieve is Kyle Maggio and Sean Geddes. I hope I didn't fuck up your name again. No, you got that. You're good. Perfect, Sean Geddes. So, guys, uh, let's just cut right to it. We had we didn't sign anybody of note. Fred Van Vliet's back at Toronto. Christian Woods in Houston. Those were the two most talked about names. Melo's back to Portland. We signed Alec Burks last night to a $6 million deal for one year. And today we brought back Alfred Payton. Whoever wants to go first, why do you like or hate this? Sean, go ahead. Oh, um, this was one of the worst days I've had in recent memory. And that says a lot during a pandemic with a bunch of civil unrest. It was like, <laughs> today was horrible, man. Like I was, cause it was going so well. I was in a good mood and I got a notification that the Knicks re-signed, that the Knicks signed Alfred Payton. And, you know, after us rejoicing at, the, at them not picking his option up, it just felt like, you know, I had been rickrolled. Like, I'm really upset. Uh, it's just everything bad about the point guard position last year has to happen again. And, you know, my excitement for the team coming back, like I was okay with not signing anyone else. Like people were getting insane money. And I feel like getting Alec Burks for one year, 6 million was like a good move. You know, it was cool. He can shoot. That's all we asked for. And I was cool with us rolling into the season. You know, I wanted to go get somebody like a bogey or like, you know, any, any other shooter that may be on the market, but I was okay with what we were doing, but the moment that Alfred Payton became a Nick again, it just ruined everything for me. Pretty much. Um, that's <laughs> kind of the way that I feel as well. Look, we, every year, it feels like every year, literally since, since Raymond Felton, really, if we're being honest, Raymond Felton was the last, like, solid, really good point guard, you know, th- that the Knicks had. Um, I, I know, that's you know, true. Calderon could at least shoot, but he really wasn't good anymore when the Knicks got him. So that does to me that doesn't really count. Um, you know, he was a point guard for a, a, really the worst team in the league at that time. So again, does not count. So um, every year we just get a guy who can't shoot, like really who can't shoot. And then like even when they can shoot, like Trey Burke, they still can't shoot. You know what I mean? Like somebody, <laughs> it, it's it's not it's not ever the guy that. We actually need, you know, it's like, it's like, okay, it's 2020. We need a guy who could shoot three pointers. There's a lot of those guards, like everywhere, everywhere. You could find them everywhere. Maybe that they, they can't play defense, but they can at least shoot threes. Like by default, we, we've tried the defense thing, right? Okay. It, like let's at least get a guy who shoots threes now. Still no, every year, every year, they just refuse. They, they're, they're just not interested in it. They just don't want guys who can hit jump shots. It's very frustrating for me. You know, all we ask is, like, just don't do the exact same thing you did last year. And then they did the exact same thing they did last year. And, again, I agree with you. The Burke signing, again, to me, it was like, who cares? Okay, another one-year deal. He shoots. 
I watched him in Philly a little bit. I know he could score a little bit. Not a big deal again. $6 million. It does not matter in the slightest. If anything, Dotson just left. They needed another guy who could, you know, come off the bench and do the same sort of things anyway. So makes makes sense to me. You know, checks out. Uh, missing out on Fred Van Vliet stinks. Uh, sorry, Knicks fans. I failed you. Uh, I, <laughs> you did trusted me. You know, uh, we'll get him next time. Okay, that there will be others. We, we get, we got to get somebody eventually. All right, we got, we got to, we got to. Uh, eventually. But, but today stunk. Yeah, it's more just disappointing because to to me, and I think you guys maybe feel the same. It's sort of, it's just a precursor of maybe what's to come. You know, I think a lot of us when they selected uh, Obi Toppin with the eighth overall pick, and I do want to talk about him on this podcast a little bit, maybe later on. I just want to say that too but um we thought when they drafted Obi, it was more like okay he's a power forward who can score we have julius randall who's a power forward who can score one of those now you're going to want to invest in the future right that's why you signed julius randall to a very team-friendly deal um so to me it was a precursor that they were going to move randall but then when you sign alfred now again not necessarily that it is but it sort of feels that way that they're comfortable kind of running it back to some degree so then it puts into you know doubt. Well, what what now is Obi's role? Why can we never draft a guy and he almost have a seamless start to the season? You know why is it always so bumpy? So it just makes you question now what the direction is. And again, this is a very fast moving NBA offseason. Anything can happen. Literally, even as we do this podcast. So again, I don't want to sit here and act like you know they're totally done. But in this moment in time, it doesn't make a lot of sense, and it it you know puts you know, this off season and maybe what their plan is moving forward in doubt other than just, again, just punting with a bunch of meaningless one-year deals and praying that the tank is going to work in the right direction for you this time. Yeah. It's, it's just confusing on every level. I just, if the plan was to run it back, why wouldn't you at least put guys like Dennis Smith Jr. in better position to get the starting spot. And if you are going to add another point guard for him to compete with, why not even like Jeff Teague or anyone, like you said, anyone, there's a ton of point guards who can shoot. Why don't you at least get that? You know, like it's Alfred shoots 20.3 from three. Like that's gross. You're not guarding that outside of anything. Like if he leaves the paint, I would just let him rock. (laughs) I just, I don't get it. And it's kind of weird how people are blaming last year's pathetic offense more on Julius Randle than the guy who shoots 20% from three and <laughs> averaged 10 points. Like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, at least Julius Randle averaged, what, like 17 or 18? And we're trying to say, like, oh, Al's back. Hopefully Julius is gone. Like, what's good with you? I don't get it. That's the weird thing for me. Because, like, beyond – I was annoyed, you know, at first. But I became really annoyed. Like, I had to put my phone down because there's people, like, trying to justify it. And that's what really I – there's certain things I just can't align with. And I feel like if you watched New York Knicks basketball all year and have anything redeemable to say about this – like, I just – you know, I think sometimes everybody wants to play devil's advocate or just, like, align on the other side of everyone else. So they got to have a spicy take or they got to seem like they're intelligent or they've got to give me on-off numbers. I don't need on-off numbers, bro. I watch every game. Like, and I know that when he's off the court, I'm more at peace. So, <laughs> I like, that's it's a fact. It. I mean, he, 
he shrinks the floor. He doesn't look for any, like, he doesn't really look for anyone but Julius. He freezes RJ out. He'll dribble, like, he doesn't really advance the ball much. Like, he, you know, the ball needs to be in his hand until he's making the pass. And that's why people think he's good because of assist numbers. That doesn't impress me. Like, it's, oh, there's so many things wrong with it. Yeah, uh, I, it, it's, you know, I, I do think a lot of people just fall back on the logic that, well, it's not the worst thing in the world. And I feel like that's all that fans have now been conditioned to think over the last at least six years with this franchise is that it's not the worst thing in the world. All right, well, just another year. It's not the worst thing in the world. Okay, just another year we'll sign guys to A hamster wheel. It's literally and, a hamster and, wheel. And, and then it becomes you're always doing this, not because it, you're waiting another year, because this is just – what the team can get, you know, and then that's, that's the issue. You know, I think for a lot of fans, it's not that, for example, what one common response I saw um, from, you know, the TKW page to when they missed out on Fred Van Fleet was, well, why are you guys upset? Why would any fans be upset? It's not like uh, Fred was going to make them a contender. And again, it's not about that. It's about, you want to start seeing progress. You want to start seeing some steps being taken in the right direction, you know, guys being built around properly. You have three really talented young guys now on this roster. That's three guys. So everything you do now, because you made those selections, should be tailored around those three guys, who two of them coming into this offseason you established were going to be building blocks. You didn't want to include them in any trades. You said those were the guys that we want to keep on this roster, right? Okay, so those two are here. Then you, you draft Obi. So now you have a third one. And again, all the reports said that the Knicks loved him, loved him, had to have him. Had to have him. They couldn't believe that he fell to them. They couldn't believe it. It was amazing. They had to take him, right? And again, I don't necessarily blame them. We'll talk about Obi in a bit. But it's like, then you got to start making the roster moves to show us that you're going to, you know, do right by them and build around, you know, build around them and give them the best chance to succeed. And signing an Alfred Payton doesn't do that. So, you know, we fall back and it's like, well, he's not the worst option. But it's like, okay, well, he doesn't actually play good defense. It's like, Solid. It's not the worst thing in the world. It's solid. Solid. Occasionally when he's locked in, he's really good, but he's not locked in all the time. So he's solid. So he's a, again, can he pass? Can he play make? Yes. But like Sean points out, he likes to hunt for the assists a lot. And a lot of those passes, if you look at the passing data and not just the on off stuff, the passes are going to Julius Randle in bulk in volume. So we're talking about trying to make these young guys better. And again, Nothing against Julius or, or these guys, they got to eat. They got to do what they got to do too. But it's like, it makes you wonder what direction the franchise is trying to go in. And it puts those young guys in a difficult spot to grow the way that they, they should. They need the ball. They need reps. They need an offense that works for them. So it, it complicates things. So again, maybe they, they're making some moves after this. You know, maybe they needed some more salary. I don't know. We will see. But in the moment, doesn't feel great. We wanted to see some moves that fit around those young guys. Um, you what know, we don't is have... the worst case at point guard? Just sorry to interject, but what is the worst? I mean, I think this is pretty close to the Bam. bottom. Like, he can't I mean, shoot. You just said he's a assist guard, assist hunts, which is true. He doesn't even play defense a lot. There are plenty of times where his guy was wide open in the corner. He doesn't put his hand up. So, I'm sure there are a couple players, like maybe like Alexi Shved coming he's... back would be worse than this, but there's really not much worse that you can get from here, right? I mean, for, for any other thing. Like, oh, go ahead. My bad, go ahead. Oh, okay. But, like, that's – because of how the internet is, you know, I always try to make it really clear that, like, 
this is not a personal thing against Alfred Payton in any way, shape, or form. Like, I have no issues with him as a person. Cool dude, you know? But as far as the franchise, like you said, you have three guys that you're trying to build around, and you want to make moves that fit them. And it's just like, I don't know how anybody, executive included, watched the Knicks play basketball last year and decided that Alfred Payton was the person to bring back on this team. So... I, people were talking, oh, it's only a one-year, $5 million. Bro, I don't give a shit about the deal. Like, I didn't really care. Like, that's not what matters here. Like, it's just, if he gets any minutes, they're kind of useless. They're counterproductive because he's pro- he's possibly the worst possible fit next to R.J. Barrett. I, you may not be able to do worse in terms of fit. And that's one of the only reasons I wouldn't have necessarily wanted Westbrook. But at least Westbrook is good at basketball. And not to say Alfred's not good. That's a lot. But Westbrook is an excellent player. So you just you don't get the same production at all while you also don't have the fit. And it's like, what necessarily is the point of bringing this back? Because now if he comes back and he's getting minutes, it's like, I, I'm going to be really mad if he has like another 17.11 assist game and people are mentioning me like, oh, told you. Like, I don't care. That's almost like, you know, we're, we're Jets fans here. Like when they were pulling off that excellent, when they pulled off that excellent tank the other day, and I was so happy because it's like a Joe Flacco win does nothing for me. Like it doesn't, you know, like if Sam Darnold goes out there and wins a game and ruins the tank, cool. But Joe Flacco winning a game is a waste. So it's like Alfred Payton going out there and doing something good doesn't really do anything for me. It doesn't inspire me. It doesn't excite me because it doesn't really help the franchise going forward. Yeah, and I don't think – like, I understand what people are saying with the building player relations and bringing guys back and building a culture. That's fine. Like, I think signing Taj Gibson accomplishes that feat and doesn't really get in the way of important people like Mitch. But bringing back Elf, like you just said, Sean, he is the worst fit next to RJ, and that's what's supposed to be the focal point of this offseason. I think that's what they were doing with the draft. So either they missed on somebody, possibly Hayward. Maybe Chris Paul just had him frazzled. But this doesn't do much to move RJ forward. If anything, RJ is going to have to take the leap for himself, you know? Like he's not going to be put in anything better of a situation than he was last year right now. Yeah, and I will say, at least with the Hayward thing, as much as I absolutely was against it, I didn't want to throw almost any money at him. The the reasonable part of me understood that he had a bounce back year and why the interest was there, why a skill set could fit really nice next to RJ. So I could understand why the Knicks wanted to throw some money at him. So I at least understood that. So, you know, like they had supposed interest in some of the right guys, but then like even, you know, the, the Berman report you take with the grain of salt, but then the Berman report is the Knicks didn't even really go after Fred because they thought he was going to stay with Toronto. But again, this is my issue with the Knicks. And then, you know, people do the justifying. Well, of course, Fred was already going to stay with Toronto. But it's like, if you're interested in free agents, you meet with the free agents, you pitch yourself, and then you try to get them to join your basketball team. It doesn't matter if you think you don't have the best chance in the world. You have to meet with them, and you got to give yourself a shot. Every time this happens now, the Knicks suddenly weren't going to meet with them anyway. It happened with Kevin Durant. It happened with Kawhi Leonard. It happened, uh, you know, again now. It's like – what. It always happens. Suddenly the Knicks, you know, uh, the Knicks weren't actually going to offer anything. And it's like. Isn't that the best chance to plant a seed, though? Just getting a meeting with the guy and just talk to him, even if it doesn't would, work out you would that think. day? Like, well, b- before we react too much to the report of the Knicks not meeting with Fred or pursuing him, let's remember that it came from Berman. 
forget. Yes, take it with a grain of salt. But the the two previous ones that we do know already, Durant, Kawhi, are also not great. So that's like beginning to be part of a pattern here. It's like we we should be annoying about trying to get in front of free agents and annoying about trying to be good at basketball again. You know what I mean? Like we should be really pitching yourself. That's the whole point. Feels like if we're not taking swings, then it feels kind of silly. But it is what it is. I just would like to start seeing some sense being made out of this roster now moving forward. Uh, we need some answers now with this Julius Randle situation. You know, now that free agency is effectively done for us, aside from a couple of fringe moves, it feels like. so. Yeah, I mean, I hope they go after Bogdanovich hard. I mean, even if they don't end up getting him, just go after him because the biggest need going into the offseason, aside from shooting to me, was getting somebody else that could score 20-plus points, especially if you're going to move Randle who was the closest person to that last year. So now you got to think, like, do you go after Zach Levine? Do you go after somebody that can score? Because asking RJ to take on a bigger load or Obi, who now also gets affected by this because his swing skill is shooting. And if Alfred Payton's not running, pushing the ball up the floor, and we're playing a lot of half court, I'm worried about Obi now. So that's all the stuff that I feel like wasn't being taken into account when they brought Alfred back, albeit for five mil. I understand it's not a big move, but it's just they have th- they have three guys who love to run the floor, love to run the floor. R.J. Barrett, Obi, and Mitchell Robinson love to run the floor, full sprint. They love it, and then we have a guy who just loves to play in the half court. It does not make sense. We need somebody who's going to be able to push the ball a little bit more and be a threat to give these guys the space that they need when they're coming down the court. That's what we need too. And this is not going to be able – and, again, we watched the offense last year enough to know. This isn't like we're speculating on an unknown here. We watched a full season with mostly the exact same roster. So it's not that fans are wrong to feel mostly the same. And, again, I saw this too. Well, Tibbs is going to suddenly get through to Alfred Payton and have him play the way that What's we that want. Mean? And it's like, <laughs> it's like guys, like, like I, look, I understand that fans want stuff. But, like, the one thing doesn't mean that this stuff's going to happen. Alfred Payton has bounced around to, a, a, you know, multiple teams already. I think four teams now in his career. So, it's like. Yeah, there's a reason. It, it, it is what it is, too. It's like maybe the, the light bulb isn't always going to turn on at the right time. We always say this for these, you know, journeyman guys that come to us. Fizonia was going to figure it out here, too. And then, oh, what are we going to do? If we, we can't afford him the next year because we didn't have a team option. Like, it's not how. The good things don't happen here. <laughs> the things we're worrying about, like. This is really bottom of the barrel stuff. It is, man. You know, but again, hopefully there's another move coming and we get some kind of clarity on it. Like at least, and again, I will to the, the Knicks credit too, because I don't want to sink them either. That's not the point of this. But if they they move the Julius Randle, you know, or, or get him, you know, get Julius Randle off, that situation gets resolved. Um, I can, you know, it at least then starts to make a little bit more sense if you want to try to have Alfred Payton lead a run and gun uh, group of young guys, you know, but I, I don't really get. So then what would the plan be to have Julius start again with Alfred and R, oh. RJ and Mitch, and then whoever the, the three is going to be, and then Obi's going to come off the bench. And then we're going to have to live for these uh, Obi Frank minutes. And then that's going to be, <laughs> and then sounds... maybe Iggy gets some minutes. Like what? I, that's what I'm like. It's just like, it's just clogging up like my dream, not dream, but like I would have been perfectly fine with starting, keeping Obi on the bench if you really had to keep Randall for a little bit. Give Dennis the keys if he's healthy and right and just run 
run, run, because in the half court, it's going to be ugly. Unless they add a 20-plus score or somebody like Bogdanovich, it's going to get really ugly because I love RJ, but until proven otherwise, his shooting touch is sus. So the best thing you can do is keep him in the open floor. And Elf can get – he is capable of keeping us up and down, but it's just not what we saw last year. I am praying – I mean, I already was – I'm praying Dennis comes into camp and it's just like next level because I I can't watch another year of Alfred Payton as my starting point guard. Hope that they give the keys to Dennis or Frank or Dennis and Frank. That was what I I was looking at it as like, okay, if they don't sign anybody else, that means they're going into it with Frank or Dennis or Frank and Dennis. And it's like, that's fine with me, honestly. Like you don't fix everything in one summer. So it's like, you know, they were already targeting the 21 draft class. So, it's, okay, maybe you want to get a point guard in that class. So, you see which two of these – you let these two go at it and, you know, take care of it this year, see which one does better for the backup role moving forward. Who knows? That's what you do when you have a plan. And I'm not saying they don't have a plan. I just don't understand how it plays into it. If they brought him back on a one-year, $5 million deal as insurance to be a third guy – then that's cool. But I don't think that's going to be established. And especially, you know, when he's the incumbent starter, now it just looks like, okay, this is Alfred Payton's starting point guard still. Like, and it's going to be, you have to like, you know, I don't think that they even start from a fair, I don't know. I just, everything in me wanted him not to win the job last year and he did somehow. So I, I feel defeated. I feel like he's already the starting point guard and that's, it's it's a lot of mixed signals from the Knicks. This is the issue that we have, right? Because what have we heard the last couple of months now that Tibbs and, and Leon have really been in and together officially, right? They want to give Dennis Smith Jr. a chance. All of a sudden, they, they believe in Dennis Smith Jr. That's all the reports that we're hearing yet again, right? Second year in a row. They want to see him get an opportunity. They want to get a good look at him, you know? They think that they've got something there. All of a sudden, they're trying to build the interest back up again for I'm assuming trade value they're trying to move off of him but it's like that's the danger when you put those reports up because now you're you're publicly putting out that you like this person for whatever optics or whatever purpose that you try to put it out and you just signed another point guard who's again you know you said the one that was starting last year so so do you believe in this this guard that you traded for for Kristaps Porzingis you know is is that a guy that's going to get a, a really you know really long enough leash when he starts before, or he's just going to get a, you know, a couple of games. Then we got to go back to Alfred Payton the way it always is. You know, it's like, it's, it becomes difficult, man. You know, you want to get a good long look at guys, let them play through a couple of mistakes, let them, you know, take their lumps a little bit, but you know, it's, it, it's, it's too big of an ask oftentimes. So again, we'll, we'll see what the final plan here is in the off season. It is not, over officially there is still moves to be made uh things can happen of course just you know not great you know we 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 want to see more uh, of a guy like obi we haven't you know got to talk officially on an episode yet but um you know what do you guys feel about obi next year what was maybe your vision for him your hope for him moving forward or at least for next season the role you saw him in uh to some capacity um, versus what you think is going to now happen? Um, I'm going to, you know, I I always lean to the side of optimism, and it's painful at this point, but I'm going to try. Um, I still feel like they're going to move Randall. 
I, I just think that, you know, taking Obi and being that excited for it and the amount of talent he has and him being like, you know, NBA ready right now, I don't think that it even makes sense to have him coming off the bench for Randall when you don't plan on keeping Randall unless you wanted to boost his trade value for a couple of weeks and get him out of here. But I don't know. I feel like just move Randall and I would like to have Obi starting and being a pretty integral part of the offense. Um, I think that, you know, from inside and out, he'd really be, he'd be our best back to basket threat. Like, he dumps him in the post. He can space the floor. He's a lob threat. So, I mean, I think that Obi could average, like, you know, 15 or so points a game and, you know, have a pretty solid rookie seat. I think he could be in the rookie of the year conversation, honestly, unless LaMelo runs wild in Charlotte, which may happen. But Yeah, I... I had high expectations just because he's one of the older guys at 22 years old. But now I'm okay with him starting on the bench as long as Randall is, you know, showcased and moved. But before I was like, okay, if Obi's on the bench, then he's probably, he could be playing with Frank, even Miles Powell, who's an exciting player that they got as a free agent. You can shoot who played well in Westchester, and now he gets pushed further down the depth chart. So the second unit's less exciting now. My fear is they're going to try and trot out Randall, Mitch, and Obi at one point this year, and that's going to be pretty hard to watch because Obi's not a good defender, and he's just he's not good with fast guys. He has slow hips, so he's going to get blown by, similar to Kevin Knox. So it's – I don't know. I think – going to be a little tough early on if the spacing's off. Yeah, we just wanted better spacing. Yeah, that was, that was, that was like, like we just wanted like modern NBA spacing. And that's it. I don't. That's not so much I, to ask for. It's it's not, and I don't know that we're going to get it. You know, I, we'll see. You know, we were not so optimistic about maybe. Tibbs' offensive strategies or mindsets. So their move since then hasn't really done anything to quell those concerns. So I'm very curious to see the brand of basketball that they're going to try to play this upcoming season. Uh, it's It fascinates me, the direction that they think they're about to take. Yeah, and quickly now has to be one of the better shooters on the roster because now it's pretty much just him, Bullock, Knox, Iggy, and then you got to hope RJ takes a leap, however small, in shooting because they're already near the bottom of the league in shooting and scoring overall. Now I feel like it's just as bad, especially if Obi doesn't prove to be a 39% shooter with increased volume. Like I'm assuming that percentage might come down too. So it's definitely going to come down. Yeah. So I think we got to be well, realistic. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. It's either that or volume stays at the same and he still hits around the same clip. What's. What's the lowest level that percentage could be at his rookie season that you would feel comfortable with? Like still calling, like still feeling good for an NBA big, his rookie season. So it depends because what's the volume of that? Yeah, if it's at like four attempts, three I or live four. with like, yeah, three I, live, four. I live with like 33, 34. If he was shooting like four, four attempts a night. I can live with 34. That, that's about what I was thinking, to be honest. You know, I, you would fine. like 35, 36, obviously, to get, but if, if he's a couple points below league average, you know, like Embiid typically, I think, shoots around 30%. You know what I mean? Like, if you could just shoot 
a little bit above that. Just be a little bit more respectable to, you know, be an actual big part of the offense that way. That would be an encouraging part, but I don't think he's going to be able to shoot that many unless he's uh, in a starting capacity. That's that's also my concern. So, If we're starting Alfred Payton and Reggie Bullock, I don't even know. I don't even know. <laughs> if I have to go through it, yeah, no, I don't even know. Yeah, before free agency started, I thought, okay, they brought Bullock back, kept Randall, obviously. They were just going to package that for one of the bigger trades. But now, with Elf coming back, I really – I don't know if they're just doing what they did last year where, like I said, they moved on top targets that didn't go there. So they were like, okay, let's just roll this over to next year and just pray one of these picks hit. Yeah, uh, pretty much. It's um, The quickly thing is, you know, makes me curious because uh, I keep trying to tell myself, like, Kentucky guard, he can shoot. Maybe he's going to be good. Uh, there's a chance. There's always a chance in this situation. So we'll see. He has some concerns, but 43% from deep is 43% from deep as far as I'm concerned. You know, shooter, the shooter's a shooter. So we did want that much at least, so they got one. Maybe if it's not the best fit, we'll see. But he is there. 43% from three, 92% from the free throw line. I, I like I like quickly. I think he'll actually be pretty good, which makes me even more upset about the Alfred thing because it's like that's another person. It's like man, that's minutes away from him too. And it's like even if, if we're going to be a bad team, let's at least do it with people who we want to evaluate. Like evaluating Alfred Payton does nothing for anybody. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, all right. We're going to cut here and uh... – We just signed Nerlens Noel. Who? We just signed Nerlens Noel. And this is why we say it's a anything could happen here. Um, that's curious. Fire it up. Fire it up. Fire it up. All right. Uh, well, well, we'll just you know we'll just start back from there. So as Sean pointed out, Nerlens Noel at this exact very moment in time at eight forty-two p.m on this Saturday evening, is uh, a, has agreed to a deal with the New York Knicks. It's a one-year deal. We're waiting on further details in terms of the finances, but that's interesting because it was almost a done deal, supposedly, with him to go to Philly. It was going to be a homecoming, and that's now not the case because, uh, you know, Woj tweeted out that he's with the New York Knicks. So, first takes, guys. Uh, what are you feeling? Confused. I like Nerlens as a part, like as a player. I, I don't know. I just feel like he's a good backup, but I want shooting. Um, I'm not. He just he's a backup. He just let's. I he better not take starts away from Mitch. You know, none of that. Um, but as far as depth, I have no issue with it. Like, I mean, I highly doubt it's for much. It's only for one year. If he's playing well, you know, that's a pretty good trade ship at the deadline. Um, probably we're not going to get shooting from the center spot. Like, you know, I'm at that, at that point, we have, you know, strong shot blocking all game long. Yeah. So my question to you guys quick, also, the other thing I thought of, does this mean Taj Gibson's not going to come back then? 
right? Yeah. That 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 effectively kills that, right? Well, how would you sign Taj now? Yeah, because now you have Ed Davis. Now the big rotation is Mitch, New Orleans, and then power forward you have Ob Randall, and then Ed Davis. I said already, right? Yeah, so Ed Davis is around there. So that pretty much, I mean, anything more than that is overkill. So I mean, it's not like I said, New Orleans is a good like it's a good shot blocker, but I mean, it doesn't really move the needle one way or the other. Five million dollars. Okay, so they chopped, yeah. So, so yeah, I mean, again, that's today. that that's fine. Yeah, it's just you're just guaranteeing no defensive drop off at center, which that's good. But circling back to Obi, how does this? I feel like that's why I kind of want a shooting center or a center that like floats outside the paint. I can't think of a player off the top of my head, but I mean, someone similar to like Cornette, I guess, where he's not great, but like it's a clear path for Obi to drive, which is where I think he's going to excel as a rookie. But now I feel like that floor is tightening up with every signing. I think the Alfred Payton just put it, that signing really just puts a damper on everything because I <laughs> yeah. wasn't having an issue with anything at all until that happened. So yeah, you're right. It does the like the floor shrinks when any of those minutes are happening. So it makes everything look. It, it puts a different lens on everything. But I mean, in in a vacuum, signing Nolan's Noel for one year, five million dollars is a good deal, and if it's a very movable contract, it, yeah. He, I mean, he he was good. He, he was good for OKC. He he got some good, valuable experience there. I felt. Um, he's. A, I mean, I have no issue with it in a vacuum. But um, again, just curious what the plan is as a whole. I guess. Um, but we'll see. They're gonna start filling out the rest of the roster now with these, you know, sort of secondary or third tier kind of level guys. So uh, we'll see who else starts coming along here. Um, one thing that I thought about too, though, was whoever the so was going to be, was going to be, um, maybe somebody who could play off Obi. If Obi was going to play a small ball center, you know, but I don't know if the Knicks are interested in uh, nice. pursuing that. I would like some minutes with Obi at small ball center. I feel like that'd be pretty cool. I mean, the best part of his defense is his rim protection. Not that, but you know he's very he's athletic. He you know gets vertical well, so I think yeah. he could get away with some minutes at the five. Yeah, and when he does get in trouble, it's when he's on the outside. That's when he gets in trouble. So you want to keep him down low. But they didn't do it with Randall last year, which kind of confused me. So I don't know. I feel like they would do more knock stuff with him where they're moving him down against quicker people than before they move him up against slower and stronger. I mean, I almost feel. I, I understand not moving Randall down. I mean, I wanted to see more minutes with him at the five, but he also didn't ever look interested in protecting the basket. Yeah. Every once in a while. Like, every once in a while, he reminds you he can block a shot. But he he didn't really put a lot of effort towards doing it, so it's, you couldn't really have him as your, full, as your rim protector because when he was out there, I mean, don't, I mean, not that Bobby Porter's tried much harder either. But. <laughs> yeah. <that's>, <laughs> but even, like, yeah, see, like, even – I did not like Bobby Portis whatsoever, but at least he would be like a better fit next to Obi than some of the players on this roster right now, which kind of sucks. 
And but hey, Mitch was shooting shot. He made ten threes in a row. So on a open gym video, I know those are you always have to take them with a grain of salt. But if Mitch could like extend his offense outside of the rim, and that could help a lot. I I would love to see it. I I don't believe it, but I would love to see it. Of course, it, it, that would be a a huge development for this Knicks offense if that was the thing he started doing. So of course I'm rooting for it, but very skeptical. Yeah, of course. Yeah, you can't. I mean. Start to leave. But, like, the form looks cleaner every time I see it. Like, you know, to be able to do a repetition. And when we posted the video, somebody was like, oh, I can hit 30, you know, and um, I can hit 30 in an open gym. Like, you can the game. <laughs> somebody was like, post the video then. Yeah, like, Thank seriously. Because, no, you can't hit no. 30 straight. Like, you can't, like. If you can hit, you know, so it's like, yeah, I mean, yeah, okay, it's in practice, but it's like Mitch has been working on this skill for quite some time, and he's shown the ability to do it. And, no, I've never been in an NBA game, but, like, if you can hit three-pointers and you can hit them consistently and you're able to hit, you know, ten in a row or however many, it's just, like, clearly you're capable of shooting a three. I'm not saying that Mitch is going to come out and shoot 40% from three, but if he can shoot it well enough to make people have to close out if he's in the corner – then that opens up so much for the offense, even if he shoots it at 30%, just if it's a, if it's a shot that has to be guarded. Oh, okay, I thought it froze. Okay. That was awful. Um It's the Alfred who, Payton hangover. Who, who else is left now <laughs> on the, the market? I, I'm I don't mind. free agent, sorry. That's what I'm yeah. looking at. Yeah, because so, I got... Bogdanovich is... Well, but I mean, like, the, like, they have Hall, like, the Kings have Halliburton with Fox. Heald was kind of tight. So maybe, like, you go after someone like that. That would be a great move just to open up the floor. But he's another turnstile on defense, so... It's like a balancing act that I don't know. If we can bring in Bogey, I'll shut up. Like, yeah. I just want, like, that's the thing. Signing up, regardless of who the point guard was, if they would have signed a point guard that is not a good shooter, I wouldn't have liked the move. So the fact that it was the one that we already know is one of the worst <laughs> shooters in the NBA just made it worse. But it's just like, we need spacing. That's why, I meant, like, quickly, you know, I wasn't thrilled about the pick originally but it's like okay he can shoot like you know even those of us who weren't crazy about the pick we we're like well, well it's we asked for shooting and that, he can do that so it's just like you know if we please go get bogey just because yeah we need the floor to be spaced like rj needs it obi needs it mitch needs it like the offense in general needs it so and, and i hate that it takes minutes away from frank and dennis i don't know but that might just be me no i hate me i hate it too i mean the the bogey thing at least makes sense um, for sort of the same reasons folks wanted Hayward, you know, sort of fits that same sort of wing shooting slash playmaking all around decent kind of guy. You know, Hayward's probably a little bit better, you know, when he's healthy uh, like he was last year. But, um, you know, that same type of guy that would fit nicely next to RJ. So it would be nice. But um, I don't understand what's happening with the Kings in that situation. Um, it fascinates me. 
given the fallout from the Bucks thing. So I wonder uh, who did the wrong thing and what major boo-boo it was for the NBA to finally care about what is generally a nonsensical level of tampering that nobody cares about. Um, so that is very, very curious. But I'd love for him to be available. I'd love for us to get our hands up. Yeah, because that's like a solid 28 game, and he can, you, he can, he's the kind of guy who can come off screens, and you can run, you know, play on to get jumpers, which we really didn't have much of. Um, and getting Buddy would be cool too, but yeah, he doesn't defend very well, and being able to get Bogey without giving any assets up would be great. It just, I'm just I waiting for, for space. I'm really just waiting for the inevitable Michael Kidd Gilchrist signing at this point, and it seems to be trending that way. Well, I mean, at this point, it just seems like we're doing a Kentucky thing, you know. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised in the slightest if that was the next move. Yo, am I okay now? Yeah, before I couldn't hear you. Jesus Christ. What were you saying before? Like, I, I missed the uh, what you were saying. Yeah, I'm trying to think of where you cut out at. And as I try to think of it, I started losing it. Yeah. Hmm. I don't remember. What, we were talking about bogey. We went into. Oh, I said Michael K. Gilchrist. Did you say something after that? Oh, I just said it seems like the logical conclusion here with the Kentucky thing. You know, I, I just would expect that very much to be the next announcement, also. I like my MKG. I think if they, like, if they just went after straight shooting and then they added MKG as like a defensive guy, I would have been okay with it. But now it's just like, uh, like let's let's start to focus. I think yeah. So like Bogdanovich, even John Wall, man. I mean, John Wall's been out what two years, pretty much. He wants out of Washington. He finally asked out. How would would you guys be interested in that, or would you just prefer? Does this make you want Russ? gettable so is there anybody that you think can fill this need um i'm open to john wall especially if they're going to assets um and i don't know but then you think about the fact that he's missed the last two years and you know the ruptured achilles and that's not really something to just you know sign up for off rep especially at that contract number but after today's news, I'm open to John Wall. I'm open to Russ. I'm open to anyone that keeps the starting point guard from being overpaid. As far as Vic, it would depend on what the price was. When I thought they were going to get Hayward, I thought that Vic would be, you know, out of there mm-hmm. for the low. But I don't know what they're going to be trying to give him away for at this point. I'd be interested in him as well, though. He, You know, he can space the floor some. He's a legitimate scoring option. So either John 
I'm open to all of those, honestly, especially if the some if John returns assets as well. John Wall's got to be a lot of assets for me. Um, at least with with Russ, I feel like if we, if we had to do a trade, I don't even really feel like I would want to at this point. But if we had to do a trade, if it had to come between one of those two, I feel like I would take whatever the Russ trade would be because I just feel like John Wall's coming off a while without playing between the actual injury and then the layoff. And then, you know, it's just, it's a similarly nasty contract for a not similarly good player. You know what I mean? Like you get a pretty safe floor with with what you know, where Russ is going to bring you like even, and this is the point I brought to Eli on the last pod with Mike, but you know, I'm not really for the Russ trade, but, you know, there's some credence to like, all right, well, let's see where Russ can drag you to and get those young guys some playoff experience, no matter what it looks like. You know, I don't agree. I would rather they have a good fit, but it is what it is. I, I can at least see that logic. John Wall, I don't know if that gets you where you need to go. He doesn't, re- again, he doesn't really shoot. He's going to require the ball a lot. He likes to get to the rim. I don't know if the spacing is going to really be good enough for him, given the way that they're building this roster. Um, I don't know that there's enough shooting threats where the defense is going to, you know, really stay home you know I feel like they're going to be able to help off like they always do with Nick's guard so um, it's difficult for me to see that fitting in a way that would make sense for us uh, in terms of on-court success with who they're trying to build with and I don't know what a return would look like I mean you'd figure you hope you get at least a couple of picks right but for a contract like that three I mean I mean how far would the Wizards be willing to go to try to get off of before they just try to bite the bullet, um, you know, because then they can't mortgage their future either if they're trying to rebuild. So then there's that. So I, I don't really know what you'd really even be able to get in a John Wall deal. It, it, that, that one really scares me. And I, I've always loved John Wall from afar. I've always defended him. It, you know, in a vacuum, I like him if, if contracts weren't an issue, but I, I don't like that one makes me queasy. I see how much worse of a shooter he is from three than Russ. Because a lot of Russ's threes are just like him sprinting down the floor, stopping on a dime, and just launching it. But wall, like, like yeah. if they move, like if they move Randall, right? Like I can, I could at least talk myself into like, okay, they make whatever the trade for Russ is. Obi's this, you know, like a four that you know stretches the floor a little bit. He's actually getting some threes off during games you know I could at least talk myself into that lineup you know Mitchell Robinson catching lobs you know maybe getting Obi involved in the actual playmaking aspect that maybe he could bring to the table you never really know but at least it could be like a fun young team led around Russ and it sort of kind of makes sense but it's not the best like I can we, we would eventually all talk ourselves into it if they start winning even a little bit you know what I mean but um I don't know that John Wall does that I don't know I think it's just like only clunky and I don't know that the assets are going to be enough for me to like, for it to be tolerable. You know who I want to trade for, and I don't care if I get slandered for this, Lonzo. Yeah, I'm 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 out. I'm with you. I would be very happy with Lonzo. I think he still hasn't scratched his potential. I think if he does figure it out, he's exactly what you would want. He can shoot. I, I will he's say like, he'd be willing to shoot. I should say. Let me clarify. He's just shooting is awful right now. He's a great percent from three last year. Yeah, I'm thinking more of the bubble. Maybe the bubble just soured me a little bit, but I really think he's he. You could get him for an undervalue. I know David Griffin loves him, but I still think 
he is gettable, and I would prefer that over taking any of these bloated contracts right now. So I'm generally out on Alonzo as a whole, but in the universe that we live in, which is a very sad Knicks universe, <laughs> and, and the alternative reality at this moment in time is um, Alfred Payton. Um, yeah, I think I, I would take Lonzo in that situation. I think this is where you can get him at, you know, an all-time buy low and take a decent flyer on somebody who probably actually has talent that was a former lottery, lottery pick versus somebody that's just another Hazonia type. No offense to Mario Hazonia, but we know what a lot of the one-year deals look like here. So I, it's a it's a like a calculated gamble and I, I'd be fine with that. I think that's decent. And like you said, he, he has improved the three point shooting at least to some degree where he's respectable at this level. So again, that is sort of what we were asking for, which was just any improvement. So it wouldn't be the worst thing. I'm just curious more so too, on that note, New Orleans has a lot of point guards, fellas. That's what I'm maybe saying. It's not Lon- maybe it's not Lonzo, but who else maybe like of that group, you know, Eric Bledsoe's in there. Is that another name? For the right price, for the right price, could you be into Eric Bledsoe? Uh, I don't, but I, like I said, I said it on draft night. My Eric Bledsoe hate is personal. He cost me money when I was betting, so I have to recuse myself from <laughs> considering this. It, it's fair. I understand. Personally, uh, well, I'm going to evaluate this as if it was yesterday because at this point I'll take anybody to come be a starting point guard so that Alfred isn't. But, I, I mean, Eric Bledsoe is, you know, an all-NBA defender. Um, and I feel like he can't – like, he can shoot. He's not a great shooter, but he can hit shots. Um, he can get to the basket. I think he'd be a good leader. So, I wouldn't mind Eric Bledsoe, especially if it didn't cost a lot. That's fair. Um, I, I, I'm kind of there, though. Like, and again – it's not that this is like uh, the point guard of the future option or anything. I just think for what you'd probably be able to get Eric Bledsoe for at this point, you know, that's a more respectable starting level point guard. I think when you don't live up to your expectations on a contending team, it sort of exposes you in sort of a different light. But I think in the context of him starting for the Knicks, I think that that's a, a fine like position for him and the Knicks to find themselves in if the price was right. So I could, I could be into that. Um, one of those New Orleans point guards, I think is kind of where maybe you'd want to go and see what you can kind of get, but Monzo, man. that's, I, I wouldn't look, I, I'm not in on it. I don't think he really is going to turn into all that much, but he's at least respectable enough that it, I, I I like how he passes. He's not like a, an assist hunting passer. You know, he gets a lot of assists, but it's he's not fun in that he's Alfred kind of way. When he's going, he's fun. He, he's an excellent passer. He's got great vision. He gets up and down the floor. He sets people up in their spots. He shot thirty eight percent last year. Low key lob guy too. You could throw yeah, a lob. Great lob guy. Like people underrate it. He can actually – I can see it already where, like, he's on a break, he kicks it out to RJ, RJ throws it up for a lob, and Garden goes nuts. I could see that. I mean, I, look, I will actually give you this much, though. I, on the on the, the, the playmaking, the vision, and uh, the IQ points, that's another reason, you know, I, I, for example, from a guard perspective, I was high on Halliburton, you know, because I wasn't really maybe thrilled with the fit, but I was like, hey, he could shoot, and he's a really – you know, he's a good playmaker, and he's a really smart – playmaker and basketball player and if you give that to RJ I feel like even if the fit 
uh, skill wise isn't the best. You're giving you know two basketball players, you know very small basketball players, uh, a chance out there, and uh, it, it's decent at worst. So you know two very intelligent playmakers like that sharing the floor together is not the worst thing in the world either. So precisely. And as for everything for he has for playmaking and you know on ball, he's also good off the ball. Like, so it, it, he, I feel like he compliments RJ very well. I feel like they'd it'd be a really nice and they're big guards, you know, that'd be pretty cool. I just feel like they, they gotta get off Dennis and Frank if they're gonna make a move like this, you know. Alfred's already locked in, but I feel like you're starting to how many three, four years in a row are we going to keep doing this? Let's see what these guys give us while really not giving them a shot. Like, it, it, it's okay to to punt or move on and go, okay, we're going to bring in some fresh you know, blood. We'll bring in Alonzo to come off the bench, you know, and, and see what happens. Like, I, I'm okay with starting to turn over some of these pieces. I just wonder what's going to have to go in or out on some of these trades uh, to clear up some of this playing time for any guys that could potentially come in. But – would it be crazy to say like a package around Knox? Obviously, a little more could get you somebody like that, though. Like New Orleans doesn't have. I'm trying to think of New Orleans' whole roster right now. I know they got. I think you have to include a first. Yeah, I'll include like, a protected first. Like Lonzo's not good enough right now to warrant like unprotected first or even like a top five protected. Like I'd give him the Dallas 2023. Yeah, I'll do that, and I'll give him a lottery protected pick. In like twenty two or something, like if he if you're not a lottery team, that's a good thing. So I would sure? I, I would check in on that. I'm talking myself into it way too much. <laughs> I think they're gonna they're gonna have to make some kind of a trade, and I I don't think that in in last year's sense, you you can't just keep signing a bunch of like C tier veterans and hoping that a contender is going to need them as some missing piece you know at, at some point you got to start worrying about bringing pieces that are going to make your roster better and I feel like this is one of those years where they got to do that so I do wonder when that's going to happen you know because we did hear things too about remember the Knicks were supposed to be active on draft night like really active and it was like they moved with the draft picks but you know I think some of us assumed oh Randall might be on the move somebody might be on the move and then none of the players actually really left so i'm curious like when the actual shuffling there starts to happen um if it starts to happen because we heard so much about that it, you know shuffling just for a couple of second rounders is kind of like to me that's that doesn't really count like you got to start interchanging some pieces here you know show us the new course of direction under the new regime it can't just be same roster new coach when the roster was not good you know so exactly Okay, I was in it's a bad funny, though, mood. because if we were to make that move for Lonzo, like, you're right, somebody would have to go because at that point we would have three top ten-point guards from the same draft. Wow, yeah, Frank was in the – wow. <laughs> that would be nuts. <laughs> I really think Frank's, like – I don't know, people keep saying, like, Frank for point guard. I really think that day that ship has sailed. It, it I, re- I really think he's better at – I think it's going to be better for him. I do think – there is potential in him to be an off-ball player that flanks out to the corner threes, and that makes his bread and butter. I think that's where he could carve out a role for himself moving forward. He's low maintenance, which always makes him good. Yeah, I, 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 I love Frank's versatility. Oh my god! Oh no, I just to the you know he is versatile, but the, the actual point guard note 
it's just not going to happen. Um, and it's not even like me being a pessimist. It's just the Knicks don't view him that way. They drafted him as a point guard. He immediately decided that that's not where they wanted to play him. They occasionally will try to play him a few minutes there, a couple games here and there. But then inevitably he's back off ball on the wing somehow spending a chunk of his time. So it, it's not being a pessimist. It's just the Knicks don't view him really as a point guard, let alone one that's going to be the starting point guard. I think this is year four. People got to be realistic about what Frank is. He's a util- Swiss Army knife off the bench, supposedly, that is still trying to find his way. Like, that's all that he really is. He's not He's not going to be the guard, unfortunately. There is something there. I will, I will go to this, my grave. There is something there. You just have to figure out where it is. I do think it's off the ball playmaker. Like, I think – I, I, I'm telling you, man, when he got drafted and I was watching his tape, my initial ceiling for him, I was like, the way that he would be best is like a Nick Batum wing. Like, that is how, like, and not even like the whole French thing, but like, I was like, it's just wing playmaker, like an actual good wing playmaker. Like, the way people talk about Gordon Hayward, it's like, you want a guy who's just going to be able to make some threes, playmake a little bit, like, nice five assists, you know, secondary assists, like, just keep the ball moving, keep the offense going. Like, that's all that I, I saw for him, like, at, at his peak, which, again, nothing wrong with that. You need those. But, you know, hasn't found his way there yet. So, I'm just not confident. I'm just not confident. Um, I'm excited to see Frank this year. I'm, that's one of the things I'm probably most excited to see because I just feel like he was, you know, picking up as – like, I feel like he's improved overall every year even though very minimal at times and he's been restricted by injuries and then last year by COVID, but during the last season, he just looked more comfortable with the ball. Like he became a little more aggressive. He started turning corners. You know, he had games where he was like in his bag offensively sort of. And, you know, even right before the season ended, he got the 2010 game and yeah, yes, I know that's one game, but it's just like, I was, you know how long I was waiting for Frank to get to 2010 so yeah three years that's a three years you're waiting (laughs) yeah so i mean i'm i know it was only one game but it was one of the most recent ones so you know after all this offseason time and you know hopefully with an improved jumper like we've seen because he's had stretches where he's like a 40 percent three-point shooter and then he's had stretches where he doesn't hit a three for three weeks so if we can just get some more consistency out of him offensively and that same aggression can continue to trend upwards, like his little his report where he was building with RJ, like all those factors that can continue, I'd love that. I, I still think he's capable as a lead guard. I mean, I think he's naturally an off guard, though. Like, you're right. Like, I mean, just being that wing playmaker, but I think you can slot him in point guard minutes, especially if you're going to yeah. have RJ creating. For oh, minutes. yeah, no, he, he can still do that. It's just that most of his minutes should be off the ball, which is, like I said, it could work out better for him. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. Um, While we're on Frank, to... isn't it funny, though? Sorry to cut you off. Yeah. That, like, pe- the people that were mad at Obi, I felt like the layover was with Frank lovers, and I just found that so funny to me because for three years we've been, like, anytime he had, like, 13 or 14 points, we were like, yes, like, this is great. And you're not going to be excited about a guy who can throw it down on like three people at once. This is That's this is rich. the same thing I've been saying, and I get yelled at. <laughs> I, get, I get made fun of. They 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 tell me that you know I, I'm, I'm points per game. Like all I look at is points per game and yada yada yada. Okay, look, I understand. Okay, <laughs> the objective of basketball is scoring 
well. And on top of scoring well, making offense happen in general. If you can make offense happen and score really, really well, better than everybody, typically you're going to succeed at the highest level in basketball. All basketball teams are built a guy who makes some sort of offensive creation happen, whether it's scoring or the passing or both. Okay, So that's really simply how it works. And it doesn't happen when you build only with defensive guys who can't shoot a basketball, and then you find a, an offensive starter place in the middle of it because nobody wants to play there because there's no offense happening. Okay, This is the thing I like to reiterate. So when a team is always last in offense every year, you need the offense. So then taking Obi was fine. That makes me laugh, though, because it, it is the essence of basketball that you need to score, and we're devoid of it, and people were angry about it. But then, they, but then they'll defend, you know, the guys who can't score, which is the thing that we need the most. And that's the thing that's very frustrating. It's like, I understand. In a perfect world, we have guys that play both sides of the ball perfectly. That's the, the, the goal for any franchise. But, you know, when you can't do that, you need offense more than anything else. Offense is always going to be more valuable than defense. It just is. It's the name of the game. It's not 50-50. It's not 60-40. It's always going to be way more. Good off. That's why the old adage is good offense beats the, you know good defense every day of the week. It's just the name of the game. So, like Mike said, it was very silly. Like, I understand. Frank has good NBA you know level defense, but you, you got to just start being reasonable here. We need offense. It's not enough to just be a good defender sometimes. I think the the people that were the people that I found most annoying, especially when they were killing the OB pick, are the people who killed Frank and killed the OB pick, because it's like okay, what's really serious angry. Here? Yeah, you're really just angry because when they draft the project guy who's young, you don't want to give him any time. Whether it's Frank, whether it's Knox, you know, like oh, this guy sucks. He's not producing right away. Then they draft a 22-year-old. You're like, oh, he's too old. Like, he, okay, so what do you want? Do you want them to have somebody? Because it's like you don't really want to give somebody the patience to allow them to grow and allow them to build, develop their game and things like that. So please don't complain when they draft the NBA-ready guy because he's 22 and all of a sudden now it's like a death sentence in the NBA. I don't really understand what that means either, like, <laughs> they, everybody wants to just draft these projects and then say that they're going to develop jump shots. Again, like, no offense, but, like, I thought Okara was a fine prospect. But the way people talked about he was just going to develop his jump shot. He was shooting 28 29% from three. He shot 60% from the free throw line. What are we talking about? What is a given with his jump shot development? Like, not everybody who doesn't have a jump shot is just going to develop one. It's not That's the hardest thing for you to just develop. Offense is the hardest thing for you to just figure out when you're age 20, 21, entering the NBA. That's not something that everybody thinks like you get a skills coach and that's it. You just figure it out. You start shooting 35% from three. Everything's fine. It doesn't work that way. It's very, very hard for a lot of people. You see this guys come in, have to rework their jump shots too. It's a very difficult thing when they're coming in. Um, So that's why I'm always like willing to bet on offense to some degree, because if you hit on offense in a big way, like look at with a KP, we scratched the surface on hitting offense, scratch the surface. He was inefficient. And we scratched the surface on hitting offense, and he was still good enough to be an all-star level talent and a two-way terror for us. You know what I mean? And that was uh, that was with us scratching the surface of it. So it's like, imagine finally hitting on a guy who's a little bit more efficient than that. Like, that's why you always bank on the offense, because the upside is just so much better. It takes you to places quickly, and then you can figure out defense. You could always find a guy who's a halfway capable defender, 
in the free agent market or on the trade block. Like, those guys are always going to be available. The guys who could score are not. Yeah. One day they'll learn. Oh, <laughs> the last thing I was going to say, though, is if this play-in tournament really does happen, do you guys think that the Knicks are just gunning to be one of the 10 best teams and they just want to get some play-in tournament attention? You know what I mean? Remember, because they said we'd go up to 10 seeds now if that was the case. No, no, I don't. I, I'd rather just finish first in the kid Cunningham sweepstakes at this point. <laughs> like that's you know what would be true Knicks fashion for like, because the plan is like what, seven through 10? I believe it's I believe it's seven through ten. Yeah. So like my nightmare scenario is that we play well enough this year somehow. Well, this is before we signed out for it. Now I feel completely different about the year. But my nightmare scenario is that we somehow play well enough this year to get the seven seed, and then we lose in the play in tournament and don't make the playoffs anyway. Yeah, that'd be horrible. That that so uh, that would just that's how it feels to me because it's the first year to play in tournament. It's almost like how the first year the different lottery odds were the year that we were the worst and Zion was coming out. Like it, uh, it I just feels like that. how things go. <laughs> that was really such a fuck you to the Knicks on the NBA. <laughs> just like oh yeah, this is the one year you're guaranteed to get the number one pick under our lottery odds. Nope, sorry. So. I'm just trying to do the math here. So entering today, the Knicks had $29 million in cap space. They've only made two moves today, right? Yeah, was, they've spent $10 million. So they should, theoretically, they have $19 million, right? But I, I, I think I saw they used an exception for Alfred so that they still had $30 million and they just signed New Orleans for uh, five, so then they would have 25. 25. But I also am not 100% sure on that exception thing. Because yeah. that's interesting, because that's a pretty significant amount to keep open through this point in time, is my is my point. And that's why I'm trying to think of what, like, setups could be coming here. Well, Anthony Davis hasn't officially signed Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> what I do like, I feel like as all these – there weren't many teams at cast space already. So now, you know, a lot of teams went and spent their money up. So I feel like there's going to come a team that need wants to make a move and needs – to move something to get free up the space and we're like their only options like i thought when uh the hornets got hayward they were gonna have to move a tomb and i thought that's thought exactly that we what i thought the guy for the, the one for that but they just ate the money i was like wow which i still don't really get i don't understand why you do all that for gordon hayward if it's not guaranteeing you to be a playoff team but yeah yeah if they got hayward i would have expected or even wanted russ or wall or something because yeah. at that point, you might as well just be – you might as well just lean all the way into it because yeah. what else are you really going to do now for the next couple of years? Hopefully, Bogey. I haven't heard a word about Brandon Ingram yet. I mean, I mean – Yeah, I mentioned that earlier with – I was on with Jess, Nick, and Harley. I was like, isn't it weird that nothing – like everything New Orleans has put out on social has been like Zion. I think – I forgot the other two jerseys, but it wasn't Brandon Ingram. I was like, that's a little weird. There was no number 14 jersey in the right. locker room. Yeah, that's there what was it was. no number 14 jersey. And nothing. And then Jess brought up a good point. She's like, maybe he's just, like, super quiet, so he didn't want to – like, he, nothing's happened yet. Like, they're just seeing if anybody offers him a contract first. I don't know. I would just throw the bag at him and just – if Norris matches it, fuck it. But, like, why not? Yeah, maybe that would they be match perfect. that max. Yeah. Make them pay that money. Yeah. And, and I feel like once we trade Julius, we have a lot of space too. But that's if we trade Julius. Yeah. If. 
Would you cut Julius if you couldn't trade him? I don't think he's that no. bad personally. No, no, because I think the contract is actually pretty valuable and it will be at some point because he's only guaranteed for $4 million next year. So he's almost at expiring uh, to some degree or, I mean, or if not, it's a bargain sort of for whoever gets him next year or another trade piece. So I, I think the value's there. Well, Detroit's signing every power forward, so maybe we can convince them that to take Randall for Killian or some stupid shit. I love them for that. I, that I, I feel so bad for Killian. He is done before he even starts. Amazing. He's just like our I think he's the only one. Yeah, I was about to say, I think he's the only one with what that can say he has worse spacing. Like, that it's is amazing. horrific. It's amazing. But, um, all right, let's uh, probably get out of here before Zoom cuts us off again. So thank you guys for joining.